your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. tonight uh, this is a, this is a incredible watershed for us you know us as a a nostalgia podcast in a way because we talk about things from our childhoods sometimes these things might be from long before our childhoods i'll, I'll bet they're from long before a lot of you were ever born but for the first time we're going to look at something that was published in the 2020s it is Woke, a TV series running on Hulu right this second. You could watch along with us if you wanted, if you had Hulu. Yeah, this this came out like last year, didn't it? Or September this year. 2020, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so just last year. Um, it's based on, oh, it's created and based on the work of Keith Knight, whom uh, I know from the K Chronicles, but he's done other stuff too. I think he did Think and... Yeah, he has another another one. <laughs> no, I don't think he made toast and butter. <laughs> it's yeah, woke is very interesting. I've always liked Keith Knight. I have his I have his giant K Chronicles uh, collection right here, which he autographed for me at uh, San Diego Comic Con two thousand nine, and it is you can see you know there is so much of his fingerprints on this show. Now, this is not an animated program. This is a live action show, but it has a lot of animated kind of inserts, so to speak. Yeah, it's kind of doing that. It's a, you know, like a Roger Rabbit type thing, sort of. Yes. You know, if you are you familiar with the show Wonderfalls? No, I am not. Yeah. Wonderfalls was very much like this. It was about a girl who worked at the gift shop at the at Niagara Falls and she has an incident that causes her to be able to speak to anything with a face. And it's sort of implied that she has become some sort of shaman and can't, ex can't actually explain it. And at one point she asks her, her bookend shaped like a wise monkey. Why do you keep talking to me? And it says, because you listen. Things are a little different in woke though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this was really interesting. Um, so I'm not uh, I'm not super familiar with Keith Knight's work um, in in the sense that I haven't read it regularly though I, I do whenever it crosses my dashboard um, and I've I've enjoyed it when I've seen it um, if if he's um, uh, I think I met him once actually but uh, I think I've told that story here before yeah he was he was in disguise and he hid his uh, name tag from you. Yeah, yeah. I figured out who he was because he's always got the pork pie hat and suspenders, you know? So, <laughs> and that's, it's kind of a very distinctive look. So I remember like, I was like, how, okay, who, how many, how many people at this convention, you know, are going to be dressed like that? But, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but so Ethan, you're a little more familiar. So what, uh, what, 
what is it? I guess what's the uh, the vibe of Keith Knight's work? Keith Keith Knight is uh, is a cartoonist who. I don't want to call him an African-American cartoonist because his work is about a lot more than that. But, I mean, you can't take it out of him either. And that's kind of what the show Woke is about. Because I I have this collection that I've got in my hand right now, the, the Complete K Chronicles, starts in 1993 and ends around 2004 with a lot of George W. Bush jokes. But it was at some point... Between 2000 and 2004, that Keith Knight himself was mistaken for a suspect and was cuffed and nearly and basically attacked by a slew of cops. And he did. Now, he was not apolitical before this, but he took this as his uh, as his uh, cue to redouble his efforts in the political sphere, especially because his white roommate came running up, you know, and get, got between him and the cops. And they were like, whoa, whoa, hold on. There's a white guy here. We better show some respect. Yeah. An all too common uh, occurrence in, uh, in America, unfortunately. Um, yes. Neither of us are black, so we cannot speak on anyone's behalf on this, but neither of us are blind either. So we see this happening. <laughs> Yeah, I was, was going to say, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, two white guys talking about, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, my wife really was like, oh, yeah, that's going to be good. I bet you guys have lots of insights. And it's like, maybe we will. Maybe we will. I mean, because like you said, we are we do we do live in America. And, um, you know, obviously, um, I mean, I, I haven't experienced anything quite quite like that, you know, um, or why I say quite like that. I mean, anything like that uh, personally. But, um, yeah, living in America, you can't you can't not be aware of it um, I in, had in a, that sense. Oh, sorry. I had a cop draw a gun on me. Jeez. OK. What happened with that? Uh, he had pulled me over because I my uh, tags were expired and mm-hmm. I was trying to show him that I had it, but I couldn't find it in the. Uh, but I couldn't find the it in like the pile of paperwork that I had on the passenger seat. So I opened my my driver's side door so I could uh, get a so I could get a better purchase. And he pulls out his gun and is like, "Stay in the car! Stay in the car!" Jeez, I, I guess uh, he well, he, you know, he probably looked at you with your your long hair and was like, uh, "This is some sort of Manson hippie," you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was pretty. And, you know, I'm I'm lucky he didn't shoot. Yes. But I mean, if I were black, he probably wouldn't have waited for me to open the door. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, so uh, this 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 show woke. Um, it's it seems like it does take. Well, like you said, uh, it, it does take some elements from Keith Knight's actual life and kind of creates a sort of a fictionalized biography Yes, it's it's um, very it has a lot to do with what happened to him. But, you know, of course, they have to they have to sweeten it up for TV. And uh, there's an and you have these two characters that are his roommates that are kind of like an angel and devil on his shoulders, I would say. One is mm, about, yeah. you know, you know, there is the character of. Our main character is in fact named Keith with an F, not Keith. But yeah, Keith I thought Knight that is... was just 
I thought that was the subtitles fucking up for a while until I realized, oh, okay, he's not quite Keith Knight. Yes. Now, Keith has called himself Keith with an F for a long time, but... Uh, oh, okay. At, I actually yeah. didn't know that, so... Yes. But it, it isn't his his literal name, no. Now, Keith Well, was... I mean, it should it should give you a sense of how little I actually know about Keith Knight, that I actually did think that toast and butter was, was like a real thing he had done. <laughs> like, I remember... Because I've never seen it, which was funny, because in this... You know, like um, when Toast and Butter start appearing and he's kind of having arguments with them because they are the voices of, of selling out. I was actually thinking like, you know what? I mean, it's it's kind of funny that he's so um, he, he he's so uh, I, don't, I don't want to say say uh, so. So he's he seems to be very angry, not angry about. But 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 he's how, how do I say this? Um, you know, I have lots of cartoons and characters that I've created over the years and mm-hmm. and you know a lot of that I've abandoned that came from earlier in my career career in quotes because I don't have a career um that, that I'm not proud of you know I don't think oh these are great or anything and I feel like I've matured and those represent a different part of my life but I would still feel very weird about like doing a cartoon where I, I have them be like oh we're the bad forces of selling out because I feel like oh you know I feel I still have some good feelings about these characters characters I made. So I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird that he seems so like um, uh, uh, bad. He, he seems to have such bad feelings about his early characters. And I realized, oh, it's because they're not real. They were just made up for this. They were made specifically <laughs> to be the voices of selling out. Uh, so, but like, I didn't realize that for a little while because I'm dumb. Anyway, sorry, I kind of interrupted there. We're speaking of his two roommates. Yeah, his two roommates. Uh Keith lives in San Francisco, and if you've ever been to San Francisco, you know that it's not so much a city as a very large country club. So you got to have like three roommates to have one apartment, basically. So he lives with uh, Clovis, who is kind of kind of the devil on his shoulder. He is uh, he is kind of anti woke, but at the same time, he recognizes things about uh, about being black that at the moment Keith is blind to. And then you have Gunther, who is this who is this kind of wacky white hippie who is, you know, I was actually surprised that Gunther was as benign as he is. Yeah. Um, I think like uh Clovis and Gunther are really interesting characters in this because uh Clovis uh, well well you know our three characters through three roommates all have kind of different takes on the world uh clovis being this person who is kind uh clovis is kind of practical i think like he understands you know he he, his take on the world is just um he's aware of how difficult it is and and what a black person needs to do to navigate this white world we live in Mm -hmm. but he's not like he doesn't have any higher ideals he's really in it for himself just trying to get by and uh gunther is um, something, someone who seems to have like a little more, like he's a little more, um, uh, you know, he's got higher ideals, but he is, uh, your typical oblivious white person who does not get anything. You know, it's like, it's like if you, I think it's the, um, the, what Gunther is, is, uh, whenever any oppressed person or any person who has experienced oppression tries to explain it to a well-meaning person who has not experienced oppression, uh, this is p- pretty much the reaction that they get, you know, <laughs> this this kind of uh, clueless sympathy that that just mm-hmm. 
doesn't quite doesn't quite understand so sympathy i think is the key word there because gunther sympathizes but not being black he can't empathize whereas clovis empathizes he knows exactly how this feels but he has no sympathy because you should have figured this out a long time ago yeah and um because what happens in this is i i don't know if we've mentioned it but uh yeah keith is a is a cartoonist he is rising to get he's he's gonna get his uh his incredibly innocuous uh, cartoon, uh, Butter and Toast, uh, syndicated when he is uh, um, uh, mistaken for a mugger by some cops who, you know, beat him up, basically. Yeah, and, they knock him uh, to the ground and cuff him. And yes. he's he's seeing his life flash before his eyes as the, you know, as he is pounded to the ground while he was trying to staple up a poster for his upcoming appearance at a comic convention. And these Cops are just like, you know, you know, kick him in the head. He's on PCP. And that is when Gunther appears yelling, hey, hey, get away from my roommate. And they see Gunther and they sh they holster their guns. He practically slaps a gun out of one of their hands. And he's just they're just looking at this hippie like, oh, sorry, sorry. We didn't know he was yours. <laughs> yeah, um, this is us. Uh, so so, yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, Great moments in this, or moments that I really uh, appreciated, um, that are kind of subtle little jokes, but are also very telling about uh, the world of woke, which is pretty much our world. Uh, and one of them is after this incident, when Gunther has kind of shoot away the cops, uh, and he kind of he turns to to Keith and he's kind of like, "I can't believe they did us dirty like that." Us, and it's like. Yeah, exactly. Us. It's just that, you know, it's it's never remarked upon, but it's a great it's a great little character moment uh, for Gunther, but also just very telling of, I think, that kind of white person, by which I mean every kind of white person, the the sympathetic, <laughs> clueless white guys like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know what it's like. I mean, we're all we're in this together, except we're really not. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, um, and then of course Gunther immediately starts offering Keith weed. Like, do you need weed? Do you need to weed? It's like the cops are still there, but that is. <laughs> I mean, that is a typical white person thing to do, because, of course, white people, we can do weed. It's OK for us to do weed. For some reason, it doesn't seem to be illegal when we do it. <laughs> um, Still there? Yeah, sorry. Hello? Okay. <laughs> yeah, OK. Man, little uh, little blip there or something. But no, oh, I heard weird. you. Yeah. Yeah. But no yes, go on. No worries. I'll, we'll cut it out in post. <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but you know what? I'll tell you this. Um, I just did. I just did some actual post-production on our last episode. You did? I did. Because it turns out that Craig uh, somehow got the three audio tracks in the episode with Steph um, not synced. So I literally had to go through the entire thing to make sure that we were each reacting to each other. Ah. Uh, ironically, it means that it is probably the uh, the 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 fancy pantsiest episode we've done because oh. you know, um, it's good because I was going through and it's like you know what this is good I'll, I'll cut out all the bits where I'm just going yeah yeah and yeah yeah and I was gonna say and I was gonna say and I was gonna say uh was because that's. That's like half of every episode, I realize, when I listen to it. Yeah. 
I, I like the natural naturalism of uh, how we are, how I usually have to say a word twice just to uh, get the punctuation, <laughs> the suffix right that I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. Wow. We realized how bad our podcast is. We're woke. Whoa, shit. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so the point is then uh, when the cops uh, um, beat uh, or kind of I don't want to say beat him up, they kind of like, well, they, they shove him to the ground and cuff him. Uh, uh, after this, Keith starts to see things uh, by which is like uh, trash cans and pens and things start speaking to him with faces of uh, kind of out of uh, his art. So yeah, he's kind of seeing you know, he, he's doing that thing that, like, um, uh, where, where they were uh, cartoonists are always like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if everything I drew was real? <laughs> he's gonna, except it's it's not uh, it's not that cool because they're all yelling at him. Yeah. Uh, because now he is woke. Um, so that's kind of like it's kind of symbolic of, you know, the scales falling from his eyes and him realizing the true nature of the world. And, and it's... when I. Oh, it doesn't come up as much as I thought it would. I, the third episode has almost no talking items. Yeah, it's used relative. It's pretty sparing, to be honest. The ads made it look like it was going to be uh, like that Nickelodeon show where the kid has all the cartoons coming out of his head. I don't even remember what the name of that was. It was like the out wacky of world of head. Yeah, yeah, out like the wacky head, world of Alex Mack or something. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's used fairly sparingly. Um, and uh, it's um, and also because that that is something that also when I first saw the ads I was like, so he got woke because of a traumatic brain injury, that's <laughs> kind of weird and easy to read uncharitably. <laughs> yes, and um, I suspect that because uh, a lot of the initial um, chatter I had heard about this series was kind of negative. And uh, I think that might be why. I think a lot of people are kind of turned off by that. Um, although he's not really, since he doesn't actually get his head bashed in, I don't think it actually is framed as a traumatic brain injury at all. It's just, no. you know, like Keith in this seems to think that something happened to his brain to cause him to see things. But um, it's not really presented as such in, in the show. So it really no. is just kind of him realizing the the nature of the world yeah but it's it's weird that the nature of the world is that items talk to you but no i mean i'm glad that they were able to work some of his you know his his drawings his style his animation into this you know we haven't watched every episode i watched three mike watched two so maybe more of this will be explained later well i'm sure we're going to be fin finishing it eventually yeah um it was because I, I liked it um, a lot more than I expected. Um, yeah. I didn't. It's not like I was like, oh, this is going to be crap. This is going to be the worst thing ever. But I was kind of like going in like, yeah, all right, sure. You know, I'm it's it's a it's basically I was kind of like, well, you know what? This is a this is a modern thing. I don't I'm not I don't really get modern television. So, <laughs> um, But um, it, it dealt with a lot of there are a lot of I mean, when I say interesting issues, um, Issues that are very relevant um, 
to our modern lives and have been for a very long time, unfortunately, and yes. don't really get it, it. It addresses them in ways that are, um, um, you know, it, it kind of it's it, it walks a, a delicate balance because it, it is a very you know humorous presentation. It's kind of it's a comedy, but it also deals with things in with the gravitas that they seem to deserve it's this weird thing where it seems to be like oh, this whole show is like not taking itself very seriously but at the same time taking itself deadly seriously and it kind of works i i mean it, it it works very well i think yes i had to take breaks i was having i would watch like five minutes and then i'd uh, look at my phone for five minutes or whatever I, i'm not sure if it's because i I was having trouble processing it or if I, or if I was just actually, I think a lot of it came across as a little, as more predictable than I was expecting. And really? oh, yeah. And I will, I don't want to say, I don't want to come across as woker than thou or anything, but the first five or so minutes before Keith has his run in with the cops is a lot of kind of, you know, handholding, baby's first woke stuff where it's like, you know, all these things that, you know, even, even we can see, even we, you know, widest motherfuckers on the podcast spectrum, we recognize and that's a that, white spectrum. That is a very white spectrum. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, even we can see that this is, you know, some racist fucked up shit. And, you know, Keith just was like, do 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 do. I think I'm going to return this wallet with a white woman's ID in it. This has no money in it. I'm sure she will be happy to see the wallet again. Yes, that's true. So a lot of it, like you said, it's kind of like predict. Yeah, kind of predictable, especially when he meets certain characters that, you know, OK, I understand what function this character is going to play in the narrative. Like when he meets the um, the woman who's the editor of Bay Arian, and yes. you know she she's a she's she she understands more the uh, the you know the the truth about um, race relations in America, and she's kind of pushing Keith to try and be a little more political in his work. And so you kind of know, okay, I know where what role she's going to play in this, mm -hmm. especially when you see like Keith's girlfriend, who is I guess kind of a. Um, I think she's a lawyer or something. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. She, Trina isn't bad. Trina is a very good character. But at the same time, I feel like uh, Keith really takes her for granted. Yeah. She's kind of, you know, she she like like Keith is kind of like an upwardly mobile, you know, uh, well to do um, a black black person who has probably been able to avoid the the worst um, experiences of racism just by, you know, by being more economically advantaged, I guess. Um, and, and that's part of why they start having trouble once Keith starts getting more woke. But, but that's the thing is once you, when you first see her, you're like, okay, I know what role she's going to play in this series. She's going to be kind of this foil that he has to, you know, he's going to have a fight with and, and he's going to leave and probably end up with that editor, I'm guessing. But I mean, I haven't seen all eight episodes, so I don't know. Um, it's just, Maybe. yeah, you can kind of see the contours of where a lot of things will go eventually. Um, and then like, even like Clovis and Gunther, when you first see them, it's like, okay, I, I kind of know where they're going to fit into this too. So, yeah, so and it, it, it's, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's, it's definitely not like, you know, not like I was shocked by anything. Uh, but, but I felt like it was maybe a predictable story well told. 
I mean, I, that that sounds really bad. That sounds like no. I'm kind of damning it, but um, hmm. I I mean, but I I actually really liked it. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's a it's a pilot. Uh, and one of the things that is that I did see mentioned in contemporary reviews is that the whole series comes across as a pilot. Like they're just oh, really? getting hmm. started and then it ends. And hmm. okay. I, I don't know if I would agree with that, but uh, you know, maybe it's because the entire, the entire eight episodes are seeing Keith in a state of transition and we don't see him, you know, find his footing with this new world that he's a part of, but right. Right. Um, yeah, but it is, can it you? Is... <sighs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, um, I've really enjoy, enjoyed it because I thought the, the first two episodes, the only ones I saw, <laughs> that I saw, um, you know, it's, it's kind of this thing where he's, he's become aware of, of the, you know, that, um, cops are bad. <laughs> um, yeah, a, a shorthand for, again, like I say, the, that the world, the world is unjust and the, but he doesn't, yeah, like you said, it's his transition because he does not want to know this. This is not something he doesn't want to know it. It makes his life infinite harder to know this because now he either has to, he either has to, um, uh, you know, change his entire, you know, worldview, or he has to uh, pretend that uh, it never happened and go back to living in ignorance. You know, like he said, blue pill or red pill, you know, to use the uh, the Matrix metaphor that um, is actually a very appropriate here because I feel like it it kind of is what the Matrix used those pills to mean, but yep. has been, you know, has been uh, corrupted so much by like, you know, um, MGTOW type people that it's hard to hear those now and be like, oh, wait, what? Oh, is he is he talking about like, you know, just becoming an Elliot Roger guy. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, the whole two ep- first two episodes are kind of about that cognitive dissonance because he yeah. feels the need to, um, you know, live. He needs, he feels the need to speak out about this, uh, this new knowledge he has. But at the same time, he realizes that everything he's worked so hard to do and build is going to be jeopardized by this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's, that's the struggle is like, you know, you know, are you true to yourself or do you do what it takes to survive? Because, you know, again, San Francisco, not cheap to live in. Yeah. And... Yeah. I mean, you know, that's um, and I mean, that's that's I think a very I think that is a compelling um, conflict that gets explored relatively a little in even though even though it is a huge thing like every single one of us have to decide whether you know to make that deal with the devil you know in so many ways every day in our lives because we live in a bad society <laughs> that um, Which we do and yeah you know and it's the thing like we all know that like okay um in in the society you can uh if you kind of stand up and against it and stand up for what you believe and know is right and mm-hmm. speak out about once it's wrong in society, um, you don't get very far. Yes. Um, it's, it's extremely hard. Your life becomes very difficult and er- everyone is against you and you get no reward. Or mm-hmm. you can do the easy thing and play along. And not only is it easy, yeah. but you get rewarded for it. You get all the goods. So, um, you know, it's, it's a thing that like even – even beyond, oh, this is this this show is obviously about you know uh, in a racial context, um, but I think 
you know, it, it applies to so many things. Um, you know, we all, like I said, we all kind of do that. Um, we talk, we talk a good game of being woke, but you know, I mean, I'm not walking away from Ovalus or anything, as you can mm-hmm. tell. I still benefit no. from society. <laughs> um, but anyway, sorry, I kind of went off there. No, no. Well, you're you were right about all of it. And I just wanted to say that uh, you know you don't even have to stand up. Sometimes you can. All you have to do is kneel, and people will make you the new, make you their new scapegoat. Oh yeah, yeah. People, people don't like being reminded of these things. Yeah. So you know. Um. So that's the and thing. The is higher like, profile you are, the more of a backlash there's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and um, he is a very high profile comic strip artist which is you know an incredibly rare thing yeah yeah um and that's the thing is like this is you know it's framed uh, in this as you know because of all the talking cartoon people it's like oh it's kind of um you know it's a it's a jokey show but you know the issues that keith is dealing with here are very very serious ones um he's his entire livelihood is at stake his relationship with his girlfriend and his roommates and all his friends is at stake um and you know so he he really does not want to be woke he really does not want to uh not not just that he he doesn't it's not just that he doesn't want to deal with um these things he, he wants to be ignorant of them you know but you know woke is not a you know woke is not a binary thing it's not it's not like you can you can't literally go back to sleep on it because you know a it's more like you can't put shit back in a goose. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, he talks to him. He's like, I'm going to put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, but that doesn't really work for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Uh, the, the, yeah. This. Oh, we, cause we haven't even mentioned that what this is all leading to is a, is a scene at the end of the second ep- or in the episode, end of the first episode where he has, you know, it, after being, tormented by a talking a talking uh malt liquor bottle his own pen and the uh floating images of his characters toast and butter oh and the trash can this is actually important yeah 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 because there is a scene where early on where we see him going to his favorite barber shop and this is one of those things that you know i didn't figure out until i was you know into my twenties was that, uh, you know, because, because black hair has its own nuances. Generally they have their own barber shops and you get to know your barber really well. It's, and it becomes a place of social comfort. And, you know, as he's trying to work out this new world, he enters his new, his barber shop only to find that it's been taken over by beardo white hipsters. <laughs> Yeah, this was a great scene. <laughs> They're all drinking like those little, um, what are those little tumblers of, uh, what is it? What is that whiskey that like, you know, the homebrew whiskey that, that, um, oh, geez. I don't even know. Drink? What's beer? I they, don't even know. Yeah. And they've all got those kind of little, like those, that, that particular hipster San Francisco haircut and mustache combination where it's kind of, uh, you know, the, the kind of ahead. Yeah. Yes. The kind of fade, fade up to like long on top. Shaved on the sides, the little curl mustache that looks like you're a nineteen, like a eighteen hundred strongman. You know, <laughs> um, very San Francisco. Um, 
So that that's a, a, a nice little um, nice little touch because actually the show I also uh, again sorry getting off topic uh, one of the nice thing about the show is location is very important here um, I think we are especially in in 20, uh, 2021 when everything is kind of created to be kind of generic. You know, like all media mm-hmm. is like, look, all media is filmed in Toronto and it is just supposed to stand in for every city USA. Um, it's rare that you see a media where you're like, oh, no, the city is literally is almost like a character in this show mm-hmm. and because it is so, you know, you, you see things like the Transamerica building. You see uh, areas like, you know, Chinatown. You see, um, you know, those those weird little bicycles all over the street it's it's <laughs> if you've been to san francisco it's like okay this is this is what it looks like this is that area and um it's almost like a like a coen brothers movie in that sense because <laughs> that's a good know, way I mean, of putting it yeah 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 because you ever watch any of those you're like okay every time location is always very important in them whether it's like you know um uh, the south and O brother or um you know big lebowski's los angeles there's always little details that really indicate this is taking place in a very specific location uh that really influences kind of the the vibe of the movie but also the characters that live there anyway uh, sorry that was again getting off we were talking about that trash can at the barbershop yeah. well i was gonna say did you so are you aware that it wasn't actually filmed in san francisco it was filmed in vancouver what what <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Vancouver. Oh, oh God! I guess I'm not as woke as I thought I was. You yeah, tricked me, Keith Knight. How could you do this to me? <laughs> because he lived in San Francisco for like 20 years, so he knew it uh, like the back of his hand. But you know, he knew yeah. how to make Vancouver look like San Francisco. So that was a uh, that was a victory right there for him. They just CG'd in that pointy building. You know, that- <laughs> Anyway, so, but you were saying about the barbershop. Yeah, he, you know, he's, you know, walking away from the, uh, from the gentrified barbershop in a daze. And that's when he gets addressed by a trash can with the voice of the legendary Cedric the Entertainer, who, uh, yeah, who says to him, you don't really believe that, uh, you don't really believe your barber friend just uh, moved away, right? What did they say? They said he moved down south. He's from Cleveland. Mm. so and that and the trash can says well what do I do and the trash can looks at him you know real knowingly and says do the right thing which of course is his clue to grab the trash can and hurl it through the window of the barbershop and it just bounces off because it's plastic yeah there's a you know there's a there's a lot of like little gags in this that um, you know um, I feel like like I said, I, I kind of appreciate the the delicate balance in this because I feel like in a lesser effort, a lot of these gags would have deflated the themes and messages of the show. But in this one, they they kind of they kind of work because they emphasize the messiness of the situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of you know there are a lot of aspects of you know be you know having this kind of personal revelation that do not, you know, that do not function with what you've been taught about how to handle these situations, possibly because it's out of date, possibly because you were misled in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, another example of that, I think, is uh, there's a bit where um, later in this where um, Keith is, he's back at that kiosk where he's, where he was originally 
um, harassed by the police. And this guy comes up and starts talking to him and uh, says, oh, that was really that was really terrible what happened. And um, and Keith's like, yeah, yeah, you saw it. And he's like, yeah, I was the guy they were looking for. <laughs> so the actual like mugger that the cops were after um, then proceeds to mug Keith. And it's kind of it's interesting because it's the sort of thing it's like, I mean, again, it's sort of it emphasizes the, the you know, the messy thing here, because I feel like a lot of a, a lot of. I don't know, like, uh, this is probably, again, like, because cause Keith Knight himself is, like, so involved in doing this. I could see, like, if this was made by, you know, like, I don't know, like, some white Tumblr tween or something <laughs> who was like, oh, we're going to make a really woke thing. Um, it's like, okay, we can't have something like that because acknowledging that there are also some black criminals would completely ruin the message of this. And it's like... It doesn't, because um, no. their existence doesn't mean that police violence is good or justified in any way. Um, no. And in fact, yeah, it's just it's just interesting because it, it it's a little moment that kind of just shows again, like how you know the 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 messiness of of reality, where like we we want everything we want everything to fit into neat little boxes so that we can watch this and just be like, well, clearly everything indicates that you know that police violence is bad. We can't have anything that might um, dis distract in some way and, and make Rubes think, wait a minute, maybe it's good because crime also exists. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, in some ways I feel like uh, Keith Knight, he, he's trusting the, in this one, he's kind of trusting the audience not to be complete dunderheads, which is a, um, which is a really nice thing to do, especially because the audience probably is mostly dunderheads. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's probably it's not what I would bet on, but yeah, yeah. But I appreciate I mean, I just... that he respects me at least. That he yeah. respects those of us who want to look at it with a critical eye. Now, I don't know. Do you think you know that is that's something that I think woke brings brings up in a way is you know when you make put something like this out, who's it for? Who was he making? But toast and butter for versus who is he making whatever his next project for? Because it toast and butter was, you know, a crowd pleaser. Do you think the next thing he makes is going to be a critic pleaser that the uh, crowd is going to reject? Yeah. No, I mean, that is a good question because I feel like, um, I feel like this, uh, like you said, I mean, there are moments where Keith Knight, I think is, assuming like look the audience can kind of figure out nuance they're 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 not like you know com complete dullards who are just gonna like if, if they've watched this far they can at least figure some things out but at the same time there is a lot of hand holding especially towards the beginning and uh -huh. i think maybe by the second episode he's thinking look if people are in this in for you know in for a penny in for a pound if they're in this far they they probably are getting what i'm they're probably sponging what i'm spilling so um it but, does you know, get better um, in the second and third episode, I would say. Yeah, there are. Um, though I also thought it was it was because um, toast and butter. Uh, they're the only so far. I think the only um, uh, little fantasy cartoon creatures that appear to him so far that have white voices. Yes, I, uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, butter. Yeah. Uh, Butter is voiced by Tony Hale, who you would best know as Forky from Toy Story 4. Oh, what? Yep. <laughs> Wait, I thought that was the mailman from Cheers. Uh, no, no. Forky? No. 
Oh, not, Forky. I'm sorry. I thought you said Porky. No, 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 no. Not uh, not Ham. No, it was... Uh, for- oh, Ham. Never mind. Yeah. I'm way off. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Forky. Yes. Because, um, yeah, the, I, those two, whenever they talked, I was like, it just sounds like the uh, the, the white voices from uh, Sorry to Bother You. you know? <laughs> yeah, I found myself thinking of Sorry to Bother You a lot. And I think, you know, I think that really shows how much of... How much of the struggle for liberation is tied in with the fight against capitalism? Mm, yeah. Well, it is the root of all our um, all our problems, mm-hmm. you know. At least I mean, runaway you know. capitalism. I like, you know, I like to quote our friend Steph on this situation who says, you know, capitalism is like fire. It's good, but don't let it do what it wants. God, I can't I can't believe Steph is such a sellout. What a bourgeois <laughs> sellout. I would say no, I think we need an, uh, we need an autonomous collective of the people. Um but no, uh uh what was but sorry, what was I going? Where were we going? Uh oh, we were headed finally for the big event at the at Golden Con. Yes, yes. Um where uh, after speaking with, uh, he's going to do a basically, um, I guess, a panel at Golden Con. Now, is Golden Con a real con? No, no. I mean, there's okay. uh, there's plenty of cons. I'm sure there's one called Golden Con, but it's not this. It's is it a comic book convention? I didn't really figure out what it was. Um, I assumed it was just because everyone's wearing lanyards and the logo for Golden Con did have a, a kind of uh, a slight resemblance to the. Um, I don't know what the, comp- the parent company is, but the one that runs Ape and uh, WonderCon. Oh. oh yeah, I remember. I know the one you mean. So yeah, it probably is a super, probably is yeah. a comic book convention. But yeah, he's he's going to make a ta- he's going to make a speech there about his upcoming deal with the uh, with the publishers who are going to take his his little comic strip uh, worldwide syndication or at least countrywide syndication, and they've got some sort of animation deal going. And he's just, you know, just like, okay, maintain, maintain, don't, don't freak out, don't freak out. And then we see the power of, you know, the death of the thousand cuts, all of these little microaggressions that he would never have recognized before. They all come to a head right here. Yeah. And, um, he basically, he kind of does the, uh, you know, the, 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 um, what, the, the network speech. Yeah, sort of. kind of. Yeah, kind of, kind of the network um, speech, kind of, kind of the Grinch calling all the who's out in the in the Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, um, and um, you know, because yeah, he's like you said, he's uh, noticing all the things. Like for example, how they they white they lightened the photograph of him. Um, yeah, they lightened was... the photograph of him, and then later on, he gets forbidden from returning to the building, and the new photo of him has been darkened. That was a great little bit because um, when when that happened, because basically he gets kind of banned after his um, after he uh, tells his his truth at Golden Con, the uh, syndicate basically he becomes persona grata and they they bar him from the building and they have a, a photo saying do not let this guy in and uh, they darken it. Um, which was funny because it was it's it's subtly done because when they first show it, I was actually thinking like. They darkened it, didn't they? It looks like they did. I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't mention it. Like, just, <laughs> just leave it as, like, an Easter egg for people with, like, I guess, you know, color perception. Um, but, uh, no, he, I mean, I guess they were like, but, he, you know, they, they do mention it. It's still it's still a, a 
It's an amusing well, gag, but it's also very, very, very real, to yeah. be honest. That, and I think that's why they brought it up, because it's funnier if you figure it out and they don't bring your attention to it. But if you don't figure it out, then there, then there's no irony there. Then you're just like, Honestly, oh, he's darker, therefore he's bad. You know, they, but they don't state it. Then you're just stating now he's bad, therefore he's darker. You know what? And honestly, considering that, like, well, you know, this is on Hulu, so I'm sure a lot of white people are watching it. And a lot of the white people probably would just be like, oh, yeah, he's he's just like completely like go right to their reptile brains and just think like, hmm, hmm, yeah, yeah, he's evil. Yeah, he's darker. Yep. Yep. Scans, you know, because, <laughs> you know, just saying white people are like, you know, since since we don't have to think about these things very often because, you know, we're in charge and it's not like we're it's not like there's there's a, um you know, a, a, a national murder force that is that is looking for reasons to kill us all the time. Yeah, we don't think of a lot of these things. They, they kind of just go right over our heads. Yeah. Listen I mean, to except us for me, I'm woke. Like- yeah, listen to us talking like, yeah, we're in charge. We're the ones who, uh, yeah, you know, whenever, yeah, when they uh, knock you down, we, we that's talk us doing like it too. Um, <laughs> we talk about it like we're we're in like you know the the smoke filled back room wearing the <laughs> giant pyramid heads with eyeballs on them. We're like yes, <laughs> we're we're in that like we're in the the secret tribunal, the, the secret tribunal, you know, at like Bilderberg. Um, yeah. Instead of just two like dumbasses on a podcast, um, but uh, but but we are white, so you know we we benefit from institutional racism is is what we're saying. Yes, that cannot that cannot be uh, denied, and you know we do, you know we do our best to bring attention to you know you know we 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 go through that same balancing act of you know how do I you know how do I do what's right in my heart without giving up too many of, you know, the comforts that can vanish like that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when you think about it, when you think about it, we're just, we're, we're just as heroic as Keith Knight. Maybe more so. (laughs) Maybe, maybe the greatest American heroes of all. (laughs) Um but uh, but no, so he has this um he, he does have this this moment at uh, the the con when he kind of you know he it all comes to a head and he he basically kind of he says that he just he points out that like he is sick of just doing um you know uh, apolitical bland art just just to appeal to everyone and uh, yeah, let's doesn't talk have about toast to and butter. Do you remember anything about it? It's kind uh, of, it's kind of engineered to be forgettable. Yeah, they show, I mean, very briefly, they do show a couple clips from it, or not clips, it's not animated, but they, they show some strips. stills. Yeah. Yeah, and it's something like, I think toast is, like, butter is like, ah, I will go in this toaster, and toast is like, I don't like tanning, be- tanning beds. So it's, it, it's like dad jokes, basically. Yeah. And it's, it feels like something that if you took it, if you... It feels like something that the guy who draws Heathcliff would be able to have a great time with. But yes, um, the 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 biggest glimpse we have into the style of joke that to- Toast and Butter is is when he he goes to the comic shop and he tries to draw it, but he's fighting with the pen, so they're all shaky. And we get to see Toast and Butter saying, "It's not Parkinson's. We're just cold," because they're all wavy lines. And it's like he shows it to like the girl at the counter, and she's like, "Yeah, that's." That's good. You made a comic. Good for you, buddy. But it was interesting because I wasn't sure if like, 
is that supposed to be like worse than a normal toast and butter comic? Because <laughs> I get the impression that was pretty much par for the course with the kind of jokes that toast and butter told in that it, it's really not a joke at all. I'm, you know, it's, it's yeah. just, Oh, all right. They're shaky, I guess. He sure has but. a nice setup though. Doesn't he? His, uh, with his light box and everything. Oh yeah. I mean, that's what all cartoonists dream of, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and and Clovis said he built it. I wonder if he was telling the truth. Yeah, it's hard to know. Clovis is kind of <laughs> like the the Joker, the Heath Ledger Joker. <laughs> he just he just always telling stories, and and you're not too clear on what's what's real and what's not. Um, but oh hey, I don't just uh, uh, completely unrelated. What what year was this supposed to take place? Was this all current modern times? I think. Yeah, I mean, okay. they finished they finished filming like a week before the pandemic was declared and everything shut down. Okay, gotcha. Oh, that's right. And also, I forgot they do have like YouTube and viral videos and stuff in this world. So it's it's modern times, even though it is all based on events that happened to Keith Knight's life like 20, 20 30 years ago, I think. Yeah, in uh, sometime between two thousand and two thousand four, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you the date. He didn't actually do a comic about it, or if he did, I can't find it. Mm, mm. Oh, okay, yeah. So about twenty years ago, um, but uh, uh... Keith is sixty six now. Oh, he's looking pretty good. He does look good. Assuming that the photos I found on my Google image search are recent photos. I mean, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, but uh, he, um, well, but oh, anyway, no, so he's, he's 54. Kinda... I'm sorry. He was oh, born oh, okay. in 1966. Well, he looks like shit then. My <laughs> fault. Terrible. No, I kid. Um, <laughs> um, but like, uh, there's some good bits. Like um, when he kind of has his little, um, you know, he, he gets angry. And afterwards, mm -hmm. of course, that goes viral. And um, so now he's persona non grata. Um, although honestly, I, I, in real life, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard to gauge how reaction would actually happen in real life. I think, because um, I don't know that he would be complete. Well, I don't know. Um, it's not important. You know, we're, we're not, we're not creating We're not trying to create a, a uh, documentary as it happened, you know, no, filled in no. real time. That we're we're making a it's it's making a statement, and that statement is that like the world, the white the white run world is very uncomfortable with um, expressions of uh, black uh, anger and frustration. You know, and, uh, that's, um, they're very uncomfortable with expressions of blackness. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, remember they mentioned early on, like Clovis mentions, oh, you're going to be the next Aaron Magruder. And I mean, you, Ethan, you probably also remember like how much backlash there was against the boondocks back oh, when it used boy, to run yeah. in papers. I I've mean, every day. Sorry. I've got a strip right here in the book where he uh, talks about going to conventions and they're like, oh, my God, you're Aaron Magruder. I love your work. <laughs> And he says something like, you know, if I had a nickel for every time I was mistaken for Aaron McGruder, I'd have two bucks. <laughs> well, people are probably like, oh, it's a black cartoonist. It's got to be. It's either Aaron McGruder or Ray Billingsley. And he uh, actually makes a big list of all of his other favorite uh, black cartoonists like uh, like Rob Armstrong and. Uh, uh, oh, crap. What's his name? Uh, the, the one who drew the one who did 
Cowboy Wally. Shit. I can never remember his oh, name. Oh, I didn't know that. Kyle Baker. Oh, I didn't know Kyle Baker was black. Yeah. Huh. Um, well, you know, I'm just I'm just like that guy that Keith meets on the bus, you know. <laughs> I didn't um, think you were black. Yeah. Which, you know, uh, I, I I guess because like Keith Knight's, his, uh, his drawing style is very, very, very singular. You know, yeah, nobody um, else draws like him. And you can't really say he draws like a black guy because just saying that that's madness. Yeah. I mean, if I had to compare him to someone, I'd say, you know, a little bit of I, I can kind of see like, you know, oh, maybe the magic wickle magic. Sorry, I just like combine two things. Magic whistle or grickle or. Oh, um, yeah, I see. I see that. Yeah, it looks like even uh, um, Sam Henderson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And. I forget who draws Grickle, but I know the one you mean. Yeah, it's yeah. You know what? I think of that as kind of a Canadian art style. That sort of stick oh, figures with big noses look. Oh, I, I didn't realize. Are they Canadian? No, they're not Canadian. I don't think. But I, you know, I see that in Canadian art a lot. Interesting. I wonder if that's um, yeah, like the national style. Um, you know, actually, who else it kind of reminds me of is uh, uh, Charles Brubecker. You know him? Maybe. What's he, does he done? Mostly. Uh, I think he does like cat comics mostly, like Princess Cat, Ask a Cat. I, I forget. I don't know him. <laughs> I should. I forget. I just know that like he's. He, I see his stuff on Twitter all the time. So, uh, so uh, there's there's a there's a something about the the eyes are kind of similar, but but like again, these are these are people who are like have you know similar, but like you wouldn't mistake you you would never like mistake them for Keith Knight because uh, Keith Knight is just way more Canadian. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, which is why it was I was I did think it was like very weird when like, you know, when in this thing, when Keith Knight is all goes to talk to syndicate and he's like, whoa, uh, drinking maple syrup out of a uh, out of a moose. Uh, <laughs> I just imagine a spigot on the side of a moose with a yeah, you know, while he's dressed in his, uh, his ear. <laughs> <laughs> dressed in his uh, freshly pressed Canadian Mountie uniform. Um, yeah, we but, can. Uh, you know, you know, we will. We would never mock the black experience in America, but we will always mock the Canadian experience anywhere. Wait, wait. You know what? Because uh, you know what? They're fair game. Yeah, you, you know what, Keith? Sorry, you know what Canadian Keith Knight would be? Sorry, Canadian Keith Knight would be after he becomes woke. Uh, uh. Uh, pro Montreal. <laughs> well, yeah, but I was gonna say he'd be Dudley do the right thing. Ooh, <laughs> fucking good show! <laughs> yeah, nailed it. <laughs> ah, can you believe I just thought of that right now? They should hire me to to make uh, like I should I should go with Keith Knight and be like Keith Knight. Okay, listen. Um, I I know you probably got this whole series planned out, but I got this idea. Okay, so first of all, you got to rewrite it so that Keith is Canadian. Okay, that's very important. <laughs> so we can set up this this gag. And he's gonna be um, like, "How about you draw some toast and butter for me?" <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah, you know, I could, I, I think I could. Well, I, I, I think probably uh, if I was going to, um, well, if the syndicate was gonna make me a famous, I would totally draw toast and butter. I would take that deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we do, we don't have, you know, we don't have an experience to push back like that. We don't yeah. have to, you know, we don't have to swallow our own tongues and tap dance in the same way. Yeah. 
I hope I hope I never am the uh, victim of police violence and then suddenly have to be like, oh, no, now I can't just do this goony stuff anymore. I'm being very flippant. I should cut this out in post. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. It's a good thing we only have like three listeners. <laughs> uh, yes, but our, anyway. our, our, our FBI fan, our CIA fan, uh, Usher and Moby. That's basically it. <laughs> oh, that's four. We got a door. We got a new one. Um, anyway. Um, oh, another kind of, um, uh, but yeah, the, another nice little bit that they have in this is when he does go back to the syndicate after, you know, his, um, uh, after the golden con incident. And, uh, he's just going to pretend that nothing ever happened. That's, that's Clovis's recommendation to him. To just, you know, just go in yeah. and pretend, yeah, just pretend it never happened. And So this um, made me think, you know, are we going to see in every episode sort of the, the stages of grief? Because we got denial right here. Oh, you know, that would be actually an interesting way to, uh, um, to, to organize the series. How many yeah, stages do we have? Are there, though? Uh, okay. Denial, anger... Uh, fear, bargaining, acceptance, I think. Or maybe f- fear and anger uh, flip switch places. I forget. Yeah, I, I think I forget. But um, yeah, so we got denial in this uh, this early one. And, you know, we'll, uh, well, I guess we'll see. We got to watch further. Is anything in the third uh, to indicate we've moved into? Uh... The third one is about his, is about... The uh, the publisher Bloom and Hill demanding their advance back, and he's spent all that money already. So he oh. takes yeah, so he takes Clovis's advice and gets involved with you know as like a like a Lyft driver. He gets involved with this ride sharing group, and you know it makes him like sixty one dollars a day. So it's not working out for him. Yeah, and, like you said, very um yeah. Don't, sorry to bother you. Vibes in this. Yeah. So instead he, but one of, but he actually makes a connection with a lady who is astonished to see a, a, a famous cartoonist driving her uh, ride share and she invites him to a party and she pays him to attend. And yeah. And he, and this is, and the thing about this party is that it is yet another, you know, microaggression Dagwood sandwich. Mm. because you know she's basically paying him to be the cool black guy at her otherwise all-white party but yeah, when you said like uh oh this this uh this, this cartoonist invites him to like you know her fancy party i was like oh it's gonna be like get out <laughs> they i think they actually make a get out reference in it too <laughs> <laughs> if it's but i haven't seen get out so i wouldn't but by context i assumed it was but this it's, is also it's, it's worth seeing. It's good. Yeah. But this is where he meets this British woman who doesn't know any of his references. And I think she might be his next girlfriend. Interesting. Um, now, I think in in real life, Keith Knight is married to a, a German woman, isn't he? I believe so. Yes. And this woman. Yeah. This woman is, again, European, not American. Yes. At least. So, you know, that that might be, you know, a stand in. Though it is that is interesting. Um because you know Europe has a very, a very different history, with um, with race than America. So yeah, um, a, yeah, uh, an African American marrying a German woman is, 
I mean, I couldn't even begin to write that story. I just don't have the in, the experience one way or another. So I'm I'm sure that their story you could make a whole other series about. But. Yeah. Um, I wonder then, yeah, how much, I guess, of uh, in, in future episodes, we may get some more insight into um, the, the night marriage. I wonder how much he's going to draw from his actual. Because I assume, like, I mean, I knowing nothing about... Uh, his marriage uh, that uh, uh, you know a a white German woman and a black American man would probably have some some interesting discussions. Yes, I mean, so. I mean, you you you've lived in Germany. I have never I've never been to Germany, but I did once attend a a family house party where a German. Uh, a German, uh, what do you call that thing? Trade school. Oh, the gym- gymnasium. G- no, g- no, no. Uh, what the hell do you call that? Exchange student. Oh, an exchange student. Oh, yeah. Trade school. Yeah. Exchange student. Yeah. A, ger- a German exchange student was uh, staying with the family, and we watched the movie. Uh, we watched the movie The Blues Brothers, and she was very surprised to see the Illinois Nazis. Oh, she did she did she not realize they have Nazis in America? Yeah, that was what I said. She she was like, "What what country does this take place in?" I was like, "Yeah, we like we got Nazis here too. We're about as big a fan of them as you are." Uh, that <laughs> might have, may have changed since then. Yeah! Wow! Wow! What a world. Um, though it is also because. Um, and then there's also the fact that that certain things like are the the SWAT sticker is is illegal in Germany, so you would not see a movie with something like that in it. Um, yeah, I mean probably if you're watching like you know a historical movie that you know would take place, I, I'm sure I think there are probably some uh, you know um, dispensations for that sort of thing. But generally, you're you're not going to see it. So uh, probably that was also kind of a shock watching this lighthearted American comedy, and suddenly a bunch of Nazis show up. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and you, and you know, I think that if there is a weakness, I mean, having only seen the the first three episodes, I can't say, but you know, in some ways it feels like this, you know, even though they've gotten into the heavy stuff by the third, by the third episode, it still feels like it hasn't gone far enough in just how bad things are lately. Yeah. Um, I mean, part of it may be like, you know, that it is, it, it, they want, they, it is a comedy, you know, and there's only yeah. so dark you can get in because they've already established the tone of this. And this, the tone is not like, this isn't like, um, dystopian satire, you know, no. this, this isn't like pitch black, like a JG Ballard type shit, you know? Yeah. It um, reminds me of sorry to bother you, but it's not sorry to bother you. <laughs> Right, right. It's kind of, you know, because like the characters are like a little, you know, it's a little wacky because it can't get that dark when it's like, oh, by the way, there's also this like uh, wacky hippie that lives with him, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You've you've got, you know, Clovis is, you know, he may kind of be the dark side, but he has some funny moments in his clumsy womanizing. And and, you know, even though and even though Gunter is, you know, he is, of course, you know, more of the better angel of the two. You also get to see his in the third one, you get to see kind of his uh, aggressive side as he's temporarily made 
the the landlord of this building and he demands that everyone pay him with cash or check rather than just using Zelle or Venmo or whatever. And well, you know, uh, they say power corrupts. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure why Gunther is temporary landlord. It says he says Mrs. Chang left me in charge. So th there's a weird sort of, you know, you know, Starscream and Megatron thing going on with them, I guess. But <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, I think. um uh, well, you know, they're show they're showing that like not only you know, there's no there's no class solidarity. As soon as Gunther um, has the opportunity to move into the uh, rent seeking class, um, he turns on all his uh, friends in the uh, the working class. Yeah. Ironically, the only one who really has a problem with it is a you know another white person who lives in the building who is a you know real uh, dickbag about it, <laughs> and you know I guess. Maybe it maybe that's to state that, you know, everyone else is like, Mel, we better not fuck with the white guy. It's like, oh, a white guy has no fear of fucking with another white guy. Yeah, I, I guess it's one of those things where, like, um, I, I feel like this sort of uh, show, because of the material that it does deal with, I'm tempted to, like, try and find symbolism in everything and meaning in everything. But it is possible there's certain things that are put in there to, like, look, this is just it's a comedy show. We're going to yeah. have some jokes, you know, that's it's like true. In, in um, Get Out, um, which I know you haven't seen, but there is a there's a bit where um, the, the, the um, a weird psychotic white character is drinking milk, and, and uh, in just weird way, and everyone was going nuts trying to figure out the symbolism of what this meant. And I think Jordan Peele finally said, "No, we just did it because it looks weird when an adult drinks milk. It looks creepy, you know." <laughs> So don't they, um, make, don't they make a joke about that, about, yeah, toast and butter, say something to Keith, like you can drink milk at every meal from now on. Yeah. And, you know, it's actually kind of true because someone was actually pointing this out to me that, like, there is something very weird about adults just drinking milk. And I was kind of like, yeah, OK. But then they start posting photos, like clips from films where it happens. And it's like like um, the what uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell and a Clockwork Orange and um the dude, the the dude in No Country for Old Men, you know, I don't know, I forget, forget the guy's name, the guy with the bull haircut. So it's just like, okay, yeah, it is a thing in film where like weirdos drink milk, you know. Well, um, I mean, there is that famous line from some Bob Hope movie. I've never seen it, but I've seen it quoted a million times, where he goes into a bar and says, "Milk, please," and everyone in the bar looks at him, and then he adds, "In a dirty glass." Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I think um, I actually that reminds me of that old Mad Magazine parody of the oh, old with West. Goo? I think that's no. where he goes in the, the bar and orders milk and all the cowboys are scared because it's that thing that comes out of cows. <laughs> I forget. It's been a long time. But, you know, um, anyway, uh, we were, but we were speak We got derailed out of milk because... <laughs> Let's let's turn our milk back into butter for toast and butter. With, oh, there with you milk. go. Nice, nice save. Um, but uh, so what else? What else uh, should we say about uh, about woke? Uh, let's. You know, I did see one real failing on this show's part, and I don't think it is. You know, uh, 
I feel that this show is not showing enough kind of, you know, solidarity in the sexes. I feel like this is very much a man's point of view to the detriment of the female character's story. And I saw that in both Trina, the the girlfriend who ends up getting dumped, and, no, she dumps him, and Ayana, the... Uh, the pub, the publisher at uh, the Bay Arian, who, uh, whom we see uh, Clovis trying to uh, pull his, p- pulling this, you know, s- this scam slash uh, uh, stalking on, and you know, I I don't feel that what happened, I don't feel that justice was served in either of those two, either of those two situations. But I'm not sure how I would be able to correct it myself. So maybe they're headed for something in future episodes. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. They are pretty much just, you know, they're props there uh, to to aid um, Keith in his uh, his quest to um, yeah. find, you know, in his vision quest to figure out his life uh, They're you know, to, to aid his narration. You might say that they would serve the role that in a Stephen King story would be played by a certain kind of magical person. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. I I don't know if that would be accurate because I mean, I think I, 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 what's her name? Ayana. Bay Aryan. Ayana. I mean, she's kind of like, serves that role because she's the one who's going to be like helping him on his, his quest to find himself. Um, I, I don't yeah. know if Trina really slots into that as much. Um, Trina yeah, and I mean, Ayana much... are kind of like if you reversed the, uh, reverse the financial situations of Betty and Veronica, you have a well-to-do yeah. chipper one. And then you have one who is maybe less, maybe less wealthy, but uh, has, uh, but is a lot, you know, sharper tongued. Mm, mm, yeah, and they should make a clock where uh, where Keith is drinking a malt with both of them. <laughs> a clock? You can get a clock of that. Yeah, I think I just think it'd be a big seller, you know. So Keith <laughs> Knight, uh, if you're interested in doing some merchandising of woke, you know, um, got we got some ideas. I don't. Do you think that merchandising woke would defeat the purpose? Yeah, I I don't. I also don't think it would really. <laughs> I don't know what you would merchandise in this, to be honest. Toast and butter, which is the irony oh, yeah. there. Oh, man. what You know what I would like? I would like to get a little decal of toast peeing on butter that I could put on the back of my uh, <laughs> my truck. That That's a good idea. It's like, you know, somebody's got to actually profit off of these uh, off of these bootleg peeing on decals. Why not? Why not you, Keith? But Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. You know, um, but yeah, so um, no, I, I think he, I think you're right. I mean, this is definitely like you know Keith's story, kind of told you know from from his point of view. Um, so I guess you know the roles of women kind of are reflected um, in that they're kind of secondary characters. Yeah. But and I think um, that kind of shows how you know even you know even knowing that it was completed in 2020 and then aired seven months later it still makes it feel kind of like a you know a time capsule because you know in that time we had no and it just you know just two months later actually so it wasn't a time capsule when it was released but two months later we had an election 
where black women saved the whole country's ass again. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I just realized there is another female character in this um, that that has, well, you know, minor. Oh, the comic but, book store owner. Yes. Um, oh, no, I wasn't even thinking of her. Um, I was thinking of uh, Cindy from the syndicate. Oh, yeah. She's she's minor, but she's kind of an interesting character because, um, you know, when after uh, he's trying to make make up with the syndicate and she basically tells him, like, no, you're you're done. Leave. And she goes on a little bit of a rant where she says, you know, I understand. You know, I feel that way all the time. I, you know, I want to wreck things because I'm, you know, sometimes. But, you know, I play I play by the rules. I know, you know, she's. I made that deal. I know how it goes. And, you know, and you need to do, you know, she's, she's basically, you know, I don't think she tells him you need to make that deal, but you need to find what you need. Um, and also it's kind of interesting. Cause like when Keith is trying to like assuage her, he's like, you understand you're an Asian or something. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't guess her ethnicity either, but you know, she is, you know, she is, ah, you know, I, I think that's kind of a a barometer for, you know, I, I would have just thought of her as, you know, I think I would have taken her for white. And, and until and then he said that, I was like, maybe she's Asian. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I thought I thought uh, she was white um, and maybe she actually is. Maybe that's the joke. Um, I, I think it's an interesting moment because, again, it shows, you know, the messiness of these things where like even, you know, it's like even a black person uh, who is woke can have some, you know, some bad takes about race. You know, yeah. if it's not if it's not something that's completely in their wheelhouse. Um, I mean, it's but, the it's the it's the most, you know, baby's first ob observation ever. But black and white are, you know. N nobody nobody that you'll meet actually is one or the other and he even yeah. talks about that when he goes into the uh into his thing as well you know those fucking green people that was oh little, yeah was pretty good yeah i was glad that finally some that was great um because like <laughs> um the i mean when the toast man says like well, i don't care if you're black white green or blue and it's like even even as you know the whitest white person who ever whited, I still was like, oh god, uh, that line, <laughs> that boomer line. Um, so it's nice to see that get like um, you know uh, get roasted a little bit. Um, but but no, I think like 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 there is this tendency I think for everyone to think of of race as being like yeah you know it's uh, America there's white people and there and there's black people and the experience of all minorities is the experience of black people and it's like yeah. that's not the case it is they well, you know the experience of black people is very singular in American history um, which is not to say that you know other races haven't also experienced racism and prejudice and. Uh, oppression in their own ways but you know this this little scene here where he's trying to say like you get it you're asian it's like it's a little different yeah. you know yeah, it's not a one-to-one -one correlation that's that's another thing is that because we use the terms black and white people tend to assume that you're somewhere on a spectrum between those two things and it's just not the same you know that yeah. there's you know that you know the asian experience is somewhere between the black and the white experience no it's totally different yeah, it's like an Asian isn't just like, you know, it's not like, oh, uh, black light, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's not like there's a slight, it's not like a video game with a slider, you know, where it's like, yeah, um, 
but did you uh, did you hear no, that uh, one of the uh, did you hear that one of Dav Pilkey's books is being uh, removed from publication because of that? Who, who's Daff Daff? Who's Daff? Oh, Pilkey? the creator of uh, the creator of Captain Underpants. Oh, that guy. Sorry, I, when you said Daft Pilkey, I was like, is that like some Cockney chimney sweep? What is this? Uh, what is, what, what are you, so, so Daft Pilkey is, uh, he's being canceled, huh? Well, uh, good thing the Dr. Seuss Protection Act is coming to prevent that. Uh, now, what was his thing being removed for? What's the deal? Well, it's a, uh, it's, it's some sub-series he has about cavemen, and there's this one that's like, you know, kung fu cavemen to the rescue, and he... Somebody made the decision to remove his books, and he says that he says that he fully agrees because it's based on, you know, he doesn't like, you know, at some point ten years ago he did this thing where there was a, you know, like a kung fu master that taught the cavemen kung fu, and he's got you know the the slanted almond shaped eyes that are sometimes squinted like uh, like the girl in uh, in Molly and the Skywalkers. And mm. it's just like, you know, I, you know, I would like to be, I would like to remove myself from that kind of iconography. So if this story, if this story does return, which I can't guarantee, I will want to redraw them in a way that does not other them in the same way. So that's fair. That's fair. Yes. Um, I mean, he seems, he seems like a stand up guy from everything yeah. I've heard. Um, but uh, so are people getting mad? Uh, have the uh, the people who are super mad about like you know Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato Head getting mad about this too? Uh, they they seem to be mostly it's just people who hate Captain Underpants, as far as I can tell. <laughs> well, you know, um, we people need something to like occupy their time. Hate <laughs> is the force that gives life meaning, apparently. So. Um, we're just we're just locked in the cycle of being mad about dumb culture shit forever and ever and then until we die. Uh. Uh, anyway, uh, woke. Um, yeah, let's let's look at the other episodes that we haven't. You know, let me look at the uh, episode guide for the future. So here's the one that I watched and you didn't. Episode three, Gig E Smalls. Keith runs into Ayana at a sneaker release and shows her his latest, more edgy cartoon. Bloomin' Hill serves Keith with a cease and desist, threatening to sue if he posts any more toast and butter comics online, and demands that he repay his advance. Keith gets a job with a rideshare to recoup the money, and meets a woman who wants to pay him to attend a party where he is the only black person. He meets Adrian and feels inspired to draw again. Clovis stalks Ayana on social media, and in his capacity as temporary landlord, Gunther runs afoul of a tenant who refuses to pay his rent with a check. So I talked about all that already. But yeah, but he has, but his experience at the party apparently gives him an idea because episode four is titled black people for rent. Ah, where, so that's interesting. Yeah. Keith had the idea that, you know, if you need some, if you need black people to lend, lend authority to your social event, rent us here. And Keith and Adrian hook up. Keith's black people for rent posters blow up on social media and get actual responses, which Ayana thinks would make a good story. Clovis capitalizes on the idea by creating merch. Gunther is shaken by the overt racism of some of the responders. That's oh, interesting. Okay, should... It sounds like Gunther is going to get woke in a way. 
Interesting. All right. Well, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing some of this. So yeah, um, I have a feeling we may be revisiting Woke again in the future at some point. Yeah. Episode five, um, Oaktown Get Down. Adrian tries to get Keith's mind off the black people for rent backlash. Keith gets psyched up to present his new work at an artist's salon Ayana is hosting. He balks when Go- Clovis and Gunther insist on tagging along, and Adrian shows up. Ayana sees a new side of Clovis. Gunther makes some new friends. Well, that's interesting. Ah, so it well. sounds like maybe there's more to Clovis than we thought. Maybe he's not just the, you know, the guy who was happy to wallow in his stereotypes in as much as it brings him uh, reward. Yeah. Hmm. All righty. Nice. But, and, okay. I am looking forward to episode eight. The next, the next two, I can't, there, there isn't actually a description for them. But episode eight says uh, the officer who assaulted Keith sues him for portraying the officer negatively in his work. <laughs> oh God, I I laugh. I, why do I feel like that might actually be from real? Life? That that's that's you know what I mean. That that could have that could happen, and if it hasn't happened yet, I'm actually like really surprised. Could happen. Could have happened. I mean, a lot of this is based on Keith Knight's real life. So how do we do know? I always like. I always wondered, like, to be totally honest, like, why is it, you know, like uh, when Bruce Tinsley of Mallory Fillmore spent like uh, three weeks, like, just sla- slagging on that ju- that judge who, like, um, you know, slapped him with a fine for his DUI, <laughs> and he like never, and it was just like nobody ever. It's like, oh, okay, he can do that. Well, you know, he has he's a white guy, so he's, uh, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, Drew Bruce. Tinsley got away with a lot by just being like, look, we need someone to, uh, we need someone with shitty opinions to balance out Doonesbury. <laughs> Gee, God, Keith, this is your chance. Just say the opposite of what you think and you'll be the, and you'll be the new, uh, Mallard Fillmore. You know, I mean, there's an opening cause, uh, he finally got fired. <laughs> yes. He got fired. He got fired someone someone else has been drawing it. He created. Yeah. Oh, Which is exactly what happened or... to Keith, too. Oh, what? Yeah, he gets fired from Toast and Butter, and then another artist takes over in another episode. Oh, I guess. Wait a second. That's interesting. So um, they they make him pay his thing back, but they st- claim that they still own the uh, Toast and Butter, huh? Yeah, uh, hmm. that's yeah, that's well, one of those. Hey, sue them with what? Yeah, <laughs> I spent all the well, money already. Well, what are you going to, yeah. All right. Well, um, so yeah, that's something, uh, I think, um, we'll be checking out. Yes. Um, we will be looking forward to anyway, more woke. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I am as well. I think, uh, I think it's actually, um, it's one of the, uh, these new fangled cartoons. Oh, not quite cartoon, really fangled TV shows that, uh, prestige TV shows. It's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty, um, it's got some stuff to say and it's pretty entertaining as well which is nice. Yes. Now, it should be noted that Keith Knight doesn't just draw comics. He loves comics and you can see it in all of the stuff he actually draws. I've got this I've got a strip right here where he's talking about this dream he had where he's fighting Mike Tyson in the ring and Mike Tyson says something like, "I am the greatest. I'm Charles Schultz. I'm Bill Watterson." <laughs> Nice. We got you. Gotta like uh, you. Gotta be tri- pay tribute to the greats of the uh, the giants of the field. You know, well, I'm George Harriman, and 
Yes. And in the reviews, in the interviews before this came out that I read, uh, Knight uh, described that his alter ego in this show, Keith, as being largely inspired by Charlie Brown in A Charlie Brown Christmas and that he wants to do the right thing, but he keeps fucking up. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And, you know, I can see that because uh, which and I feel like with that in with that in mind, I see Clovis as his Lucy and Gunter as his Linus. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think I can, I can see that. Interesting. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of this is our long awaited grown up peanuts show. Hmm. Peanuts for adults. It, it's <laughs> not the form I would have expected. Yeah, because the other Peanuts was always for kids, right? Yeah, yeah, well, well, well. Well, comic say. strips, only kids can identify with drawings. Yeah, yeah. Unless right. they're Toast and Butter, we love them. Oh, well, yeah, who, who doesn't love that Toast and Butter? I mean... As long they, as I, they don't get woke. Oh.